The journey toward our higher selves continues with conversations in the Indigo Tent. Join us on the adventure. Hi, Zella. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the tent. Thanks. What's been going on in your world? Well, I have been thinking about play. Mm. And I know that you as a as a former ballroom dancer, I would assume that you um, and and all the social dancing that you did, I would assume that that was a form of play for you. Absolutely was, especially the social dancing. It just yeah. you know, no no two dances or pieces of music were ever the same. <laughs> so then you have to you you're lost in the adventure of figuring out how to dance to this tune. <laughs> Well, yeah, and and um, connecting the chore the the non choreography, but it's like you know what move would work with this this flow, and what move would would work with this partner, and yeah, it became it became a kind of play. I like that. Well, listeners, the reason why we're going to talk about play today is because I heard an interesting story a few weeks ago on The Pulse, which is a, an hour-long program on NPR. Um, I think the, the host is Macon Kelly, something like that. But anyway, one of the junior journalists was analyzing her own life and realizing that she it sounded like she was in her late 20s, early 30s, that she did not play, that she worked and she shopped online and she watched TV and she did nothing to, in the sense in the, of, the, of how we view the word play. And so continuing to listen to this story, um, this, this young woman did some research about play and why it's important for human development. And she found a psychologist, psychiatrist, probably a psychologist, right, Wendy? Um, she found a psychologist who had done a lot of research about play. And in particular, he, he um, examined the life of one of our early mass shooters. So that's always a tragic event in our history. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but one of our first mass shootings was back in the 60s, which is hard to believe that you know, thing that that type of nonsense has been going on for a while. But um, I, I, I believe the man's name was Charles, Charles something um, back in 1966 at the University of Texas at Austin. He climbed up in the, the one of the bell towers and then just randomly shot innocent people. So this psychologist was interested. Why did he do that? And there was no apparently there was no warning. There was no red flags. This guy was quiet, reserved kept to himself and I think he was a maintenance man on the campus um, so when when the psychologist went back and looked into the man's childhood he interviewing other people he found out that he, that this young as a as a little boy he was not allowed to play his father thought that play was a waste of time and so he either had to be reading a book doing chores or helping um, his father do something, but n was never allowed to play. So <laughs> any thoughts on that, Wendy? <laughs> Ooh, wow, that's a can of worms. Yeah. Anyway, 
um, there's there's just a lot to process there um, because then then it makes me think about the years in which we had so much child labor right and then did those kids ever get to play and and then yeah. it's like what does that do you know generation after generation where you have children who are forced um to either you know to not play or to have to work or to to not be kids whatever mm -hmm. that means and then it's like what does that do to them as adults right and, and how does that affect them in the brain development aspect yes and then and then how they interact in their adult lives and and all that pain and trauma gets trapped in their bodies and then it gets released violently in this case mm -hmm. and so it's um interesting you know, I, I can't help think about you know every species at least all the ones i've come across whether they're human or animal or whatever have some form of play as children and that's so play I'm going to step back inside. We thought it would be fun to do the podcast, one of us outside playing, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's breaking up a bit. So I'm going to go back inside. <laughs> well, it was fun playing out there while it lasted, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. And yeah, you were, had a gorgeous backyard to, to look at and enjoy and scenes of nature. And I'm, yeah. And pretty good weather, I would think, huh? Yes, it's beautiful here this week. <laughs> yeah, this week or, or <laughs> this moment, because like, you know, in Texas, if you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, except in the summer, then you got to wait a few months. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so this idea of play, I keep thinking, you know, it's like every every animal it seems like they play with their animal siblings or they do some form of play because that helps them learn the skills or survival skills if you will that they might need as adults <laughs> yeah and and um wendy and i both have boys um <laughs> men now of course but um I, I don't know about yours. I would assume, Wendy, um, that yours are like mine. <laughs> yeah. My boys were constantly wrestling and sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it was, uh, please stop. But at one point I began to realize um, when I compared them to families that had girls and the girls were always you know, politely playing and my boys were rambunctiously playing, I realized the wrestling was a need to actually physically touch another human being because they're, you know, typically not going to be affectionate like girls are. I would see some of my friends' daughters, um, they would sit in the chair together and hold hands and have their dolls on their laps and read a book. And not, not my boys. No, of course not. They were wrestling on the floor <laughs> like, you know, wild animals. <laughs> and, and, um, um mine were we we did a lot of throwing of things mm. and <laughs> yes throwing throwing hours and hours and hours of of yeah throwing balls back and forth and 
And I actually, during those years, developed a, a halfway decent um, football spiral pass. Nice. Nice. I love short, it. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't go that many yards, but I, <laughs> I could get it to spiral. <laughs> My dad would be proud of you. The football coach dad would be proud. <laughs> so play. Um, so Wendy and I both taught in public schools for a number of years. And, and for my career, I noticed the children that I first started out working with, they, they had such amazing um, developmental skills by the time they got to me. I, the first time I, the first grade I taught was third grade in Burleson, Texas. And those kids were amazing. And then I moved up to fifth grade and taught in Mansfield and those kids were amazing. And then the world changed, video games really took over. Mm -hmm. And I noticed, and my colleagues noticed, and I'm sure you noticed Wendy, that over the years, kids have become less and less academically ready. Um, and, and we see more and more emotionally disturbed kids. And you have to wonder if it's not all these violent um, video games. And is that um, messing with their brain development? And, and more importantly, are they getting outside and playing that, that very important skill, imagination that, that researchers have shown time and time again is vitally necessary for brain development. So if you're watching a video game, you're, I would tell my students, it's like, it's like the birds feeding their, their little chicks. You know, the mama bird goes and gets the worm and she chews up the worm and then she spits it as she swallows some of it. And then she regurgitates it back up into her mouth and now it's all digested. And then she feeds it to the baby, baby birds. That's what you're doing when you're watching um, a video game, you're using somebody else's imagination. And so you're not getting the full benefit. <laughs> what an interesting visualization. Yeah. And I use that on purpose because if you can yeah. gross kids out that you can get them engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, along with that, now I spent a lot of years in, in the uh, university level too. And and over the years, teaching uh, fitness activities, fit teaching social dance, you know, where it was movement-oriented classes. Yep. And, and I noticed uh, from my perspective that earlier on, you know, you do a dance, whatever, and, and they had more stamina and more, it seemed like, more general body awareness or muscle awareness. Oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, fast forward, here I am in my, well, I was at the time, I was in my 40s and I was, you know, like, hey, let's do this dance, this, that, you know, we, we'd be doing our movement and these kids couldn't keep up with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm twice their age. And I was like, wow, this is, this is alarming. Very. Yeah, so we're, we're not only limiting ourselves emotionally, mentally, but also physically if we don't get out and play. Right. Now, one thing I've, I've noticed about my dear friend, Wendy, is she, she takes a walk almost every day and she, you have a bike, right? That's a, a, actually a powered bike. 
And I've noticed that after I talked to you, Wendy, that um, I mean, when I've if if we have a conversation after you've taken a walk or ridden the bike, you're in a very playful mood. And yeah. so I, I've noticed some people, they go on their walk because, well, I have to go on a walk because I have to get my heart rate up, you know, rah, 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 and it's more regimented. And so how do you, how do you see exercise? Well, I see it two different ways. One is there's the discipline of it. The thing you got to do, cause you got to do it. Cause you got to feel better. Cause you got to be a fit. Cause you got to, da, 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 da. but then and, and then it's almost like the shaming side of being fit, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Five miles, yeah. Well, you're not really exercising. Right. If, if you're not, you know, working out in the gym, then you're not really being fit. And it was like, wait a minute, something's wrong with this picture. And I noticed even just this morning, like I was, I was starting to feel a little bit of mental clutter going on. Um, end of semester, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, grades. <laughs> <laughs> and and I realized, well, well, and then I went on a walk and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to clear my head. I put on a little moving meditation music and just looked around at like all the different animals and birds and, and just let my mind wander where it wanted to wander. I wasn't worried about the pace. Uh, how, you know, or how far I was going or how long I was going or how fast I was going. Um, and it was just like, yeah, I just, it, well, it was cooler weather here too. That helps <laughs> that. And it just sort of invigorates me. And then I was like, yeah, life is good. Look at all the good right. stuff. And it, for me, it's, it's this time also when I can just think about all the things that I truly am grateful for. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just as simple as I actually can go out for a walk. Mm -hmm. I actually and you, physically and, and emotionally and, and men, you know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm in a safe place. Mm -hmm. so I can walk. I'm in a, I'm physically capable of walking and and, you know, just like that whole piece and, and just allowing my brain to think about all the good things that have happened just completely turned my, my day around. So you were able to clear out mental or emotional clutter. Yeah. Or redirect it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think that's an important part of play too, is I that it just allows us to uh, practice being different. <laughs> uh-huh. And I and I wonder going back to to what made this whole conversation happen, this young woman admitting that she doesn't play. I wonder how many adults don't play, but they think they do. For instance, my mother's favorite sport is shopping. Now, <laughs> I hate shopping. I mean, I do it and my mother loves clothes shopping. My mother could go shopping, in fact she used to when she had a car. <laughs> When she was allowed to have the keys to the car, she went and shopped every day of her life. And I think back on, on, you know, you hear stories from your parents of what they did as children. My mother and her and her mother, my grandmother. <laughs> not the story about walking three miles to school every day and back. <laughs> yeah, not those stories. So my, my mother and grandmother would go horseback riding once a week. My mm. mother never took me to do that. 
um, obviously my grandmother knew that this was a way to connect with her daughter. It was a way to play. It was a way to get out in nature. It was a way to interact with an animal. She knew that it would be good for the development of her daughter. Um, somewhere along the line, my mother, um, you know, changed. Let's just say there was lots of events in her life that caused her to become bitter and difficult to deal with. And, um, but shopping is not, is not play in my opinion, maybe it is to some people, but it's personally, I think that sounds materialistic oh. and shallow. Well, we so, could hunting for the hunting, for the <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe I just have a, a jaded perspective. <laughs> So for my husband and I, we go for a hike once a week. And to us, that's play because we're exploring different parks in this new part of town that we've moved into and in the new the new part of the Metroplex rather. So and most of the parks here in Arlington have some type of a nature trail. So for us, it's an adventure. And that brings in the play aspect. Right. It is an adventure. You know, and it's it occurs to me we have we have different not you and I, but I mean, like in society, there's a variety of opinions or, or preconceptions or misconceptions about what play is, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Of, you know, stop playing or, or that idea that, um, you know, idle hands or the devil's workshop or you know, it's like, if, if you're not busy every moment of the day, then you're going to fall into sin and temptation yeah. Whatever right. And you is. will be a worthless human being. <laughs> yes. And so we've kind of, we've kind of equated play with being idle mm -hmm. or, or, or frivolous or frivolous or uh, not serious or whatever the right words are. But it's like, there's that negative connotation that play means you're not being productive. And then, okay, let's break this down. Is that almost a, a male female thing? Because what comes to mind is men playing golf. Okay, this is grown men that go out and chase a ball with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I golfed with my father and I can tell you, it's exceedingly fun. It, it truly is. So have men found a way to you know, justify it and saying they're, they're cutting business deals. But um, my father, when he retired, he played golf every day. There was no business deals to be had. It was just it was the pure enjoyment of play and interacting with other people, which, you know, there's the imagination side playing all by yourself, but there's also the interaction side of play, team sports and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we really want to like, I don't know, re rethink perhaps what our own definition of play is. Mm -hmm. Because is, is play doing something, and I'm just asking here, is play uh, equated with doing something organized like a team sport? Or is play um, connecting with others on an activity? Uh, you know, you think of like in traditional societies, you know, the kids would play with their bows and arrows and practice mm -hmm. being grownups, I guess, or um they would play different hopscotch games or games that gave them better uh coordination skills or games that would 
um, challenge their mind mm -hmm. in thinking. So, uh, like, well, remember when you would come to my school and teach dance during um, various units, um, and you would you would show the dances that the adults did, but you've also talked about the play that the children did mm -hmm. through dance. Yes, and and you know a lot of our earlier dances were about daily life, right? Mm -hmm. So the dances encoded our culture. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> that would be my son calling, of course. <laughs> and you never have your phone on, on you know, never. on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. We can laugh and, and play at, and, and we can laugh at the laugh at ourselves. This isn't play right now, but, but, but laughing at yourself. <laughs> it's yes. Technology interrupts <laughs> supports. You're right. So it's like, yes. So dancing was, was, I think I was saying dancing was part of encoding our culture from yes, generation to generation and helping us practice the skills and uh, that we would need or may need later on, or teaching us a skill. Like there's so many dances about like, uh, there's one that comes to mind in the Polynesian culture where um, there's a bark of a tree and they peel off the bark of the tree and they pound it down for, I don't know, days at a time and, and go through a whole process to turn that bark into almost like a cloth. And then mm -hmm. they patch those claws together and make a huge, um, um, well, all kinds of different things with it, but, and then they'll, they'll draw uh, different pictures on it and, and stuff. And it's, it's a skill that is hardly done anymore, but there used, you know, there was a whole song with hand movements and everything about that process. And mm -hmm. so that was a way of, you know, it was play, but yet it was also reminding us of a skill. Mm -hmm. And I when like we that. don't, yeah. So when we don't do that, how do we, how do we learn to be adults? Well, mm -hmm. how do we, and, and this was, sorry, I'm going to go off on a roll here, but this go was something always <laughs> I found um, frustrating, uh, not frustrating, but challenging with, with students is like, oh no, I, you know, I don't, I don't do that. Oh, I can't dance or I got two left feet or I got this or I got that. Oh, I don't, I don't, I want to, no, I don't want to learn that. You know, I don't want to dance because, you know, I'm not good. And I'm like, well, <laughs> how are you ever going to get good unless you actually practice, which means play, right? Yes. So if we look at practice, you know, if we look at learning a skill as playing, then how much different is that skill going to be for us? Indeed. Hmm. I think that's one, one of the many reasons why I like yoga. I feel like when I roll out my mat and I start moving, even if it's teaching, I'm, I, I, I have this sense of play. It's a, it's an adventure. What are we going to do? How am I going to get everybody from point A to point B where we come into Shavasana and we're totally relaxed and we're feeling alive like the like the line from dr frankenstein he's alive or it's alive <laughs> but you do you've you after you've done some movement 
you, your muscles literally feel alive and your brain feels less cluttered, or you have been able to compartmentalize your thoughts and, and tuck them away neatly and, and get on with your day. The other thing that's fascinating to me, and I can recall this, it's such a sweet memory. My, my grandson, who's now 13, Jacob, when he was a little boy, the imagination that he had was off the charts. And I knew this as a teacher, when I would observe him play, when I would play with him, the, 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 the role playing he did with his stuffed animals, going outside and digging in the dirt. And he was, he had a construction site on the side of their house. He took me over there over to the side one time and he showed me this incredible landscape that was in his brain there was nothing there it was dirt and rocks and some grass you know it was the side (laughs) of the house that we neglect right (laughs) but he he had a complete construction site going in his mind and he described in great details all the things that were going on in this area and i can tell you now for a fact and it's not because i'm his grandmother he is off the charts smart. So what does that tell you? Imagination develops the brain. It just does. And our children need to play. They it's need to get outside and dig in the dirt. Oh, and one comparison I have is earlier when Wendy and I were talking about doing this podcast, I, uh, I said, well, golf is play. And Wendy said, really? I don't think so. And I said, well, okay, look at it like this, Wendy. <laughs> It's grown men, yeah, going outside, chasing a ball with a stick. But if a grown man went outside and sat in a sandbox every day and played for an hour, we would think he was a weirdo. <laughs> so our play evolves as, as we mature, as it should, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes because the imagination process changes. and Exactly. And yeah, you know, there is some level of, I guess it's like it's a different type of play because with with like golf right there's there's a lot of analyzation of Mm -hmm. okay where do I want the ball to go how far do I need to hit it what angle direction so there's there's like uh, (laughs) a lot going on in the brain and then you're getting there woo exactly yeah, you're visualizing the shot. Well, that's imagination. Yes, it is. And that's another whole thing of like imagination. Is that just that thing that little kids do? Uh, because they're still figuring out what's real, what's not real in their own minds. And that's part of their development. And is that supposed to stop? Do we then, or when we get older, do we call it creativity? you know, what, what, and why did we, you know, what is reality and what is imagination anyway? Mm -hmm. But only our perspective. Exactly. Exactly. So moments with our higher self, what's on the agenda for our listeners? Well, today's moment was your higher self is about figuring out what is your play what does play can or need to look like for you or do you even play (laughs) (laughs) 
can you turn something that is mundane into play? Mm -hmm. Can you allow yourself to play? Mm -hmm. Good questions. Cooking can be play because it's if you're trying something new and it could be an adventure. Now, when it's the drudgery of cooking, that, that's not play. <laughs> no, yes, it's it's the everyday. Oh, what do I do now? Um, yeah, versus the I I enjoy cooking like themed or holiday meals because it's like a production. It's uh -huh. you know it's gearing up for that performance. Yeah, and hopefully it all turns out well. Um. <laughs> and then speaking of holiday, we want to encourage you listeners to take time to play and to not let the holiday, the upcoming Christmas holiday or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate, to not let that revolve solely around the food and the meal. And the stress. <laughs> yeah. So get outside and play. Take yeah. some time to play. I actually think, you know, it's like the greatest gift you can give to yourself and to your loved ones is time, mm -hmm. quality time with them, with the, the presence, the presence don't last or the, you know, right. the, 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 yeah, presence or presence, but right. being the present or being present yourself. Being being present, yes, is playing the a gift is the gift, yes, and playing a board game, you know, developing that relationship. That's another thing that that um, I I knew as a, as a young educator. Um, the research was out that that kids who ended up in are adults who end up in prison when they go back and they look at their childhood they didn't play um, games. They didn't play board games, especially. They didn't learn to follow the rules. They didn't learn the courtesy <laughs> of giving another person the space to take the time to play their turn. So play, play games with your children. It's really important. Candyland, does it get any better? With, is that what it was called? With the ladders? Or shoots and ladders, there was that too. <laughs> uh, it's always a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Our favorite game right now is Farkle. F-A-R-K-L-E. Farkle. That's a fun game. It's a dice game. Makes you think, but you have fun with it. Awesome. Yes. So give the best gift this holiday season and take time to play. After, of course, you define what play means for you. Yes. And be present in that present to your family or your loved ones or your friends be present in their yeah. lives right it's like put a price tag on on your gifts let's say you know like growing up we did silly gifts a lot with with my siblings you know it's like my we all like chocolate so you know we'd get a giant Toblerone bar and send to my older brother or or he'd get like some coconut carvings I mean it was just like funny, silly stuff. So it's like, change the price tag on your gifts so mm -hmm. that you can play more. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yes. So play is important. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and our musings about play. We hope, we especially hope it's 
caused you to define play and look for areas in your life where you play or where you need to add some playtime? Add some playtime. <laughs> Just like your mother used to schedule playtime with a or play date with somebody. Schedule that for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Or just don't schedule and be random about it. Ah, there you go. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, listeners, thank you. And, and leave a comment. Let us know. What is your play? What does it look like? Yes, please share with us. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us. And always... Find ways to connect with your higher self. Absolutely. Bye, y'all. Bye. We hope you've been uplifted by this episode. Please help us uplift others by sharing, subscribing, and reviewing our show. Join in on the conversation by adding your insights and transformations in the comments section. See you next time.